prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today for the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, conquered death, defeated sin, Satan at the cross, rose from the dead. Father, we thank you that no matter what happens in life, he will always be our hope and our promise of glory, especially for those who precede us. We ask, Father, particularly this morning that, um, that you strengthen and comfort and console the Pomeroy family this morning and every day going forward because you know what, how much they're going to need you and they have you and they know it. Father, today we also ask for everybody else um, who's grieving today and those who are in other situations where they're suffering or in any kind of difficulty. Father, we pray for all of them. We know that uh, you love them and you have only their best interest at heart. And so we trust in everything you do, as hard as it is sometimes to accept it. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, The news that I have this morning is obviously sad. Some of you may know the whole extent of what I'm about to say. Some of you may only know some of it. Some of you may not know anything yet. Um, but both Steve and Marilyn Pomeroy have died of COVID-19. Um, I was um, on Marilyn's website, and she had the perfect homepage. So I'm just presenting it to you today. She quotes from John 11:25 to 26. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live, even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. I picked this picture because um, it's kind of how I want to remember them, full of life and, uh, as always, side by side. Um, We all, I know, in our hearts, grieve for the family. We pray for them today, for um, Mark and, and Margie and Carly and Aaron and Steve and Joyce and Abigail and Laura for Ron's wife, Jill, and his three sons, Garrett, Stephen, and Zach. We pray, Father, and um, we know what we're all grieving and giving our condolences today also for Lynn and Ryan and Scott and, um, and uh, everybody else you know, in the family. I, if I were to continue, I would uh, get to the point where I couldn't remember people's names. They're, they're the heart and soul of this church, and... Therefore, their um, connections and their family and the ones they love are very great. Everybody, I think, had had an opportunity to speak with some of you yesterday and um, to a person. Everyone had grief, but also um, memories of what Stephen Marilyn had done for them personally and for others. So again, please continue to pray for their grieving family at this time. Please turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. We'll start there this morning. 1 Timothy 4, 11. As you turn there, I also want to mention that um, condolences are starting to pour in. I want to just pass along to you um, that we've heard from uh, Jean and Nancy Cunningham. Nan, we've heard from Fazil and Carrie John. Um, Kingsley, Keithian, Rory. I may have missed people, but um, so many people love the Pomeroy's and are heartbroken for them and the family at this time. So um, I want to continue to keep you apprised. Don't have any information yet 
about a possible plans for a service. Um, as those become available, obviously, we'll get that word out. All right, the title for today's message, appropriately enough, is Show Yourself an Example for Those Who Believe. Show Yourself an Example for Those Who Believe. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Preach and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, and exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with all these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. Paul is telling Timothy to be an example of those who believe. We all need those examples. Every one of us need role models. And that goes doubly true when we comes to living the Christian life. It doesn't matter who we are, whether we're pastors or ushers or prayer warriors, husbands, wives, parents, children, in our jobs as neighbors, as citizens, how each one of us is striving to just live in the simplicity of devotion to Christ. We all need people that we can look to in order to answer a simple question. How is it supposed to be done? Who can we look to can show us what it means to be a Christian in believing and in deed. And, you know, it takes a lot to become a real role model. It's a heavy responsibility to know that others are looking to you as an example of how to live. It's something that parents have, whether they realize it or not, with their children. It's a role that each of us can take with one another at times, depending on circumstances. And if we're wise, we will look to someone who has been around the block a few times, as we say. Someone with experience, with wisdom, with sound judgment. And in the Christian life, there's one thing that matters above anything else, and that is the pursuit of godliness. Look to people who are, have been in that pursuit for a long time. Look to people who have dedicated their lives to teaching and behavior that reflect God's character. And while that has its own dimension of time, it's not chronological. It's not necessarily how old you are in years. But it does have to do with time. It has to do with time devoted to taking pains with God's Word over a long time. Taking pains and having that Word mold you. It also is persistence in the Christian life in the face of whatever brutal obstacles are there at times. And perhaps most important of all, it's the cumulative witness of dozens and hundreds of things that have been done in love, done for the Lord and his people. It's also the growing recognition of our own wickedness combined with God's amazing love and grace. It's our words and our conduct. It's faith and hope and love and purity. It is, as we sometimes say, the whole package. The whole package. I'm not really ready today to speak about Steve and Marilyn at any length. For me, it's too soon. It's too shocking. It's too sad. So I hope that you see them in the theme of today's message, role model. 
I can't think of two better people that anyone could pick to be their role model. And you know, nothing I can say, if I were able to say it today, and I'm not ready yet, really matters. <laughs> because they've already spoken. You see, it's their Christian lives who have said everything that we need to know to us. They were without a doubt the whole package. And I have to leave it there for now. I hope you understand. The best thing I can do today is what I'm called to do, what Paul's telling Timothy to do. It's what we hear about in 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to myths. But you, sober, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Why? It's simple. In times like this, and at any time in our life, the best comfort always comes from the Word of God. You know, it's that, and I know that that this is multiplied a hundred times when it comes to the family, but it's the Word of God that's uh, perked me up and gotten me on the right mindset again these days, Um, especially when other people are speaking it to me. I got a calling to speak, but when there's people's hearts, and it's just who they are, and they say it, and they mean it, and it makes a difference. And in, the, and in the case of Steve and Marilyn, that was the starting point. Because that really, they showed how you can take the word of God in your heart and make it become who you are in every respect, in that love, in that faith, in that hope, in their words and in their conduct. It's the power to endure. It's the power to be grateful, whether you're in, in, in richness or in poverty, in good times and bad. It's to receive consolation and be renewed and refreshed. All that comes from God, from His Word, from the Holy Spirit. I'd like to please turn with me to Romans 15 now. Romans 15, 4 to 6. Romans 15, 4 to 6. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, let's just briefly take up today's portion, which is in 1 Timothy 4.11, if you could go back there. 1 Timothy 4.11 to 16. And as we take it up, let's take in what God has for us here today. 1 Timothy 4.11. Preach and just, and pre, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. But rather in speech, here's the key to today, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, 
Show yourself an example of those who believe. See, the work isn't over. We, we have had great role models in Steve and Marilyn. But now they're up there with the Lord. And, you know, I got to say that as, as overwhelming and terrible it, it is to say goodbye to both of them. And it, whatever it is for us, you know it's a hundred times that for their family. There is something marvelous about thinking of the two of them never really apart in this life or forever. That's, that's as it ought to be, as hard as that is to say that. But they're now there, and, um, and their, their whole life was actually geared toward that moment when they would meet the Lord. And so that's our, that's our perspective. I hope it is, more so now than ever. And, and um, we need each other, and we need each other now to be role models for one another. Um, in how we what? How we speak to one another, how we conduct ourselves with our love, with our faith, with our purity, purity of motivation, purity in every way. Show yourself an example of those who believe. There are many who are new believers. I think now, see, I said I wasn't going to talk about Stephen Maryland because I couldn't, and now I can. Um, but I just think about all the young people. That, that, cha- that your lives would change because of Marilyn and Steve, the camps that they had, the um, youth studies, and all the things that they were involved in with young people. They were an example of those new believers when they needed it. Um, and we, too, should be aware of the fact that there's many people around us that are relying on us to show them the way. And we should, again, it's a hard burden, but it's also a privilege. Until I come... Paul says, this is the key for a man who is in the ministry. How you do it is by giving attention to the public reading of Scripture. There's no substitute when it comes to us and our our relationship and our growth um, to hear the Word of God together. I'll just pass this along. um, We're in the texting generation now. I mean, we're beyond that. I'm I'm a fossil and I'm still texting. But there have been... I don't know what it is, but I, well, I do know what it is. But in the last few days, I've realized that texts have limitations. The printed word, even, has limitations, meaning that you can't hear everything that people are saying. You can't hear what they're emphasizing. You can't hear when they get quiet. You can't hear um, their... Uh, when, when it's tough to put things into words. You can't hear that. I mean, if, you're, if you have a text, you can hear it. And there is something unique about our hearing. Hearing the Word of God. Hearing the message. Give attention to the public reading of Scripture. The exhortation. We all need to be exhorted. We all need to be encouraged and challenged and pushed when necessary and consoled when needed. And then teaching. We all need to have what we read having communicated in a way that we can understand it and have meaning from it. I do that formally when I preach. You do it to one another. I've seen that, and we need to do that more than ever. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. We all have a spiritual gift. It's important. It was given to us to build up and edify one another. We ought not to neglect it. And that especially points to the responsibility that we have with it. You know, God gives us the gift for a purpose, to build up and edify the saints. He's placed us in a particular place so that we may exercise that gift. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, <coughs> which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance 
with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. In other words, in some manner or fashion, it was a recognition of the gift. And it was public. And, and it was meant to both encourage and to put that responsibility clearly and the authority behind it. Verse 15. Take pains with all of these things. Be absorbed. This is our mindset. This is you know, what Paul wanted Timothy it had to be because of his role and the challenges that he faced in that day and age in that church in Ephesus. We face our own challenges. So how do we, how do we go about things when it comes to the things of God, the Word of God, the people of God? What should, what should we be like? We should take pains. In other words, we should at times hurt. We should be challenged. We should be feeling um, and seeing and fighting for God's Word. Um, I can tell you, and I don't know, I don't think I'm unique at all in this area, but... Um, there are times, uh, Kingsley and I were sharing this last night and this morning, where the very, the very word that we believe in, it, 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 there's a contest for it in our hearts. And, it, and how, do we, what, how do we deal with that? Taking pains with it, day in and day out, being absorbed in it. I can't tell you the number of times when I was a week this week, and, and, and I, but I had, to, I had a calling and it brought me back to God's word. And being absorbed in that is uh, how we overcome the situations in life so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself. See, Paul understood that since Timothy was a role model, the Word of God is the, is the core, but it has to do with the whole person. Pay attention to your conduct. Pay attention to your speech with one another. That's important. He said, pay attention to yourself and your teaching. There's that marvelous combination that godliness is all about. It's, it's, it's hearing the word of God, believing it, having it change your heart, having your mind renewed. But it doesn't stop there. It has to then permeate your life. So that as they say, your theology, what you believe, becomes your biography, who you are and what you do. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere. See, um, we, the fact is that God and the Holy Spirit and the Lord, they do everything, right? They do everything. All the work at the cross. All the plans that God the Father had from eternity past for us. The Holy Spirit placing us in permanent union with Christ. The forgiveness of all our sins. The fact that the Holy Spirit is in your heart and Christ is in you for the day of redemption. The fact that, that no matter what you go through in life, God's word is here for you and perfect. Waiting. And so all those things God does, but there is, I think, a couple of things that we do. And the first one, of course, is believing Him, taking Him at His word, trusting in Him. The second one is basically hanging in there. It's not glorious, it's not something that um, makes you feel good. Actually, it's most important when when you're feeling horrible to realize that there's some days when all you can do is hold on. Hold on to what you believe. Hold on to the people that God has surrounded you with. Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you do what? Pay attention to your conduct. Pay attention to the Word of God. Persevere with one another. As you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Now, my point today will not include that last phrase, but I know that's something people look at and maybe wonder. So I'm just going to say briefly that he's not talking about eternal life when he says that. He's talking about the deliverances day in and day out 
when we're saved from certain things that we would fall into, but for the word of God, whether that's depression or whether that's um, a life that's drifting away from God's word or being tempted by, as the word of God says, doctrines of demons, to be delivered from all of that. Notice who's, where it starts. It starts actually with one who is called to preach because if he's being taken over and not saved from those things, then how can he be an example to others? But everybody, those who hear. So you can tell from this passage that we need to have the scriptures, we need to hear them, we need to talk to each other, we need to build up in song and ha- and psalms and, and, and all the ways that we can build one another up through God's word. We need to hear that message. We needed to hear Marilyn's website this morning, right? That, that, that anyone who hears and believes will never die. And that's uh, never been you know, more concrete to me anyway as right now. Why do we need to hear the word of God? Well, I'm going to break it into two things. The first one is, the first one is we need to hear from God over and over again who we really are. We forget. We forget that we have been adopted by God the Father as his children. Sometimes we forget. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of the completeness of the salvation that Jesus Christ procured for us at the cross. That we've been redeemed. We've been reconciled forever to God. Our sins have all been forgiven. God has, given, has declared us to be righteous in His eyes forever. We need to hear over and over again, that's who you really are. It's, it's not the thoughts that come that you know are ungodly, or the, or the criticism that you get, or the burdens that you bear, or the sadness or the sorrow. Those are all real, but that's not who you are. That's not who I am. That's not who Steve and Marilyn are. Who are we really? Again, we are God's children. We are um, those whom God from eternity past has set forth a manner in which he's already predestined everything in our lives so that we're absolutely assured of being face-to-face with the Lord, absolutely assured of having a perfect body one day like Jesus Christ had from the moment he was risen from the dead. That's who we really are. That's who we really are. The new man. Lay aside the old man. Put on the new man. Put on who you really are. Put on a heart of forgiveness and love. That's who you really are. That's who I really am. That's the first thing. We need to be told and heard and taught about that again and again, reminded again and again the most important stories we can tell to one another are the stories of our redemption in Christ. But then we need to do another thing. There's another need that we have when we hear the word of God. Not only do we need to hear who we are, we then need to hear how we are to live in keeping with who we are. That's the second reason we need God's word. How do I live? Now that I understand, not perfectly, but in some sense, that, Father, I'm your child forever, that I'm in union with your son forever, that all my sins have been forgiven, that you loved me so much that you gave me your one and only son to die for me, Given all that and so much more that I learned in God's word, how am I going to live? How are we supposed to live? How are we called to live? There's, there's as much in the word of God about that than there, as there is about who we are. Those are equally important, who we are and how we are to live. So we need exhortation as well as teaching. We need, as the word of God says, to be reproved from time to time. To be stood up and said, you know, this is not really how you're supposed to live. We need rebuke at times, specific things. But we also need encouragement and exhortation. And so quite simply, and this is a day for simplicity, 
Exhortation and teaching go hand in hand. Don't listen to one and neglect the other. Right? Either way. Either way. Understand the source of your power is God's word and his spirit and knowing who you are. But understand equally that God did this for a reason in this life so that we might become, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, the very righteousness of God. So that we may be imitators of God in our love and in our forgiveness and our efforts for one another. Just both of those. Both of those together. And the way that, that the Lord wants to weave our lives is for those to be entwined. Is one of the great things about the book of Colossians when we studied it is it's a masterpiece of seeing those two entwined with one another, uh, inseparable from one another. And, and, and so that you hear about God, who God is and what he's done for you, and then immediately you can move to say, ah, I get it. My gratitude should now flow into these activities, whatever those might be. They're different for different people. But that's the whole design. Don't short-circuit it. Don't think that, you know what, I, what I really only need is to be built up myself. Wrong. <laughs> you need to build up others in how you live, in what you say, in the love that you have in your heart for them, in the faith that you display. We all need role models. Right now, we do need people who can model for us what does it mean to remain in faith and love and hope under really bad circumstances. Although they may be temporary, but right now, how do you live? How do you not slip away from the things that you've been brought up on in the Word? How do you keep them strong? One way, because we're not supermen and women, all right? Ultimately, it is the power of God. But it's also being able to have people around you to encourage you, to show you how it's done, hopefully gently, kindly, not barking at you or telling you everything you're doing wrong, but actually how they live. We need role models, and we don't need critics but we do need role models. Exhortation and teaching go hand in hand. We need to understand, we do need to understand what the scriptures mean. God wouldn't have had this entire book written if he didn't want us to understand amazing things that are in it. What what Paul calls the mysteries. We've studied that recently. The mystery of godliness. What does it really mean? What does it mean that God has, has come and become man in this unique person, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What's the meaning of that for us? We need to know these things. Why? Not, not because we're going to get a final exam or anything like that. Because we, because that's who we are. And the way that we live accordingly is the freedom that comes from knowing who we are. Christ said, it is for freedom that I've set you free. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Well, how do we stay free? Knowing who we are. But then he goes on and says, do not use your freedom as, as a something for the flesh, but rather through love serve one another. It's both. It's both. So we need to understand and we need to actually be coached by God's word and by those who are mature spiritually about how to live. How do we live accordingly? Please turn, as we get near the end this morning, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. I want you to notice here the tremendous interweaving. I want you to just think about that today. I want you to no longer think of your life in two parts. You know, I come to church, I hear the word of God. And that's something I do, and and I maybe have my time for a few minutes every day. And then I go into my life, and there's like really not a lot of connection there. No longer should you think that way. Understand that they're one in the same. 
They really, really are. If they weren't, see, here's the thing. If they weren't one and the same, if all it meant was that God speaks, right, and all is done, why would Jesus Christ become a man? Why would He come among us and be, uh, 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 we can see Him and touch Him, and we can't, but they did, and all of us can look to Him as the ultimate role model. Why? Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So He not only was, He not only taught, but He acted. We know the love of God. We can see the love of God in print. We know the love of God because of Christ on the cross. You see, it's totally inter- interconnected. Totally interconnected. 2 Timothy chapter 3.16 All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. That's where it starts. For teaching, for reproof. Let it, let it do all these things for you. Okay, Let it teach you. Let it reprove you. Let it correct you. Let it correct you. Don't, don't get guilty. Don't get insecure. Don't try to argue with God's word. Let it correct you. It will do it. You, by the way, you don't have to correct yourself. All you got to do is let God correct you. Right? Really, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Everything that we do that try to change how God really wants us to live, that's the, that's the heavy part. That's the heavy part. Well, just get rid of that. Just understand that God's word is sufficient for all the things that need to happen to you in your heart and in the way you live. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, but also for training in righteousness. Now, we know that God has already declared us righteous in his eyes. So the question might be, why do we need to be trained? We're already there. Well, because you're already there in God's declaration, but then the training comes, again, how do I live as one who has been declared righteous by God forever? How do I live? What does it mean? I should be different. You know, as Romans chapter 8 tells us, God did what we couldn't do in the flesh of his son so that finally he might work through his righteousness in our lives. So how do I do that, right? You get trained. You get trained. Verse 17. So that the man of God, the woman of God, may be adequate. Equipped for what? You can speak in church. For every good work. Every good work. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 tell us that God has prepared the works beforehand. Isn't that comforting? We spend so much time, I know I have in my life, struggling and feeling insecure and thinking I'm doing the wrong thing or I should be somewhere else or I should do this or I should do that. And it's all a waste of time and energy because the fact of the matter is that God has already ordained all the works. All of them. What does he ask us to do? It's real simple. Believe and persevere. Don't make your own works. Believe, persevere, and he will bring you into the works that he wants you to do so that the man of God may be equipped See, that's where, that's where the perseverance, that's where the taking pains is. That's where the practicing and failing and getting yourself up again so that we will be equipped for every good work. We all need examples for that. We all need models. We all need to see how it's done. And sometimes we need a push. We need a kick in the pants, if I could put it that way, to actually do it. Human nature is not going to get us anywhere. Human nature will always stop short and say, I love what you heard, but man, I I am going to just kind of chill out and not do it. That's human nature. We all have it. 
Don't feel bad about it, okay? Understand that the answer to that is to, is to have the Word of God stand you up and show you, and things in your life stand you up and show you. Maybe showing you that, you know what, well, we are all given one day at a time. So that, that ought to affect our perspective, that, um, that I've been made for a purpose. I've been made anew in Christ, a new man, a new woman, for a purpose, and I don't have to guilt, be guilty about it. I don't have to worry about it, but I do have these, I do, I'm called to act, and I ought to act in the places where God has prepared those works ahead of time. We need to push. And it's God's word. Yes, it's others. It's modeling. But we have to be careful about that particular thing because the actual push, we can be pushed in all kinds of different directions by people. That's not what we're talking about here. We are really being talked about, talking about being pushed by God's word and then seeing how it's done by our role models. We often need to change our attitudes. We need to have our minds renewed, as it were. And yes, the word repent, that's a good use for it. To change our attitudes towards things. And actually, to have God do it. Okay, Because actually, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, I still have the same lousy thoughts that I've always had. I still have the same propensities to sin that I've always had. And so it's not me. Okay, It's only when I realize that, you know, the Bible says that when we are weak, we are strong. And we have to understand that a lot of times we're not weak enough, if I could put it that way. A lot of times we think we can do it ourselves. I have the right habits. Now, habits are good, but it's God's power that changes things, changes our attitude towards things. So much needs to be corrected. It doesn't, it's not a surprise, is it? That, that, that when will we save as ungodly people, as being dead in our sins? So, I can't really, how can I expect that I was dead to God, and I was, I was living the same, a, 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 really a demonic life, I'm not talking about the weird stuff or the exorcist, but according to the thinking, right, of God's enemy, that's how I lived. How, how, why would it be such a surprise that I would have to go through this whole training process, this whole painful process of having that stuff taken away and having it replaced in my heart and in my life? Well, how does that happen? By being corrected. By being corrected. Well, I just want to close with a chapter in God's word that is full of exhortations. Full of encouragement, challenge, rebuke, correction, and showing us the way. It's a great chapter. It's the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Now, now in Romans, Paul took 11 chapters to teach. He had so, when it came to the subject of God's righteousness and God's grace and our so great salvation and how it is that he has taken those who are wretched people and by, by Christ has made it so that there's no condemnation. I mean, that, and then how, how, we, how the tremendous plans that God has for the people of Israel. All right, 11 chapters of that is very unlike Colossians where it's all woven together. When he's first trying to get things out, he takes it one step at a time. He says, here's all I want you to know. I want you to know that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor any other created thing, height or depth, will ever come between us in the love of God. 
We need a lot of that. We need that to be inculcated or we need that. We need to remember that. We need to hear that again and again and again. And then we need to be exhorted. We need to then say, okay, wow, that's tremendous what God is, who he is, what he's done, who Christ is. And now I know that I have the ability now to go forward and walk in those works that God has ordained for me and for you. And here's, here's some great specifics. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, that word means exhort you, brethren, by the mercies of God, how merciful he is, to present your bodies, your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. You want to be spiritual? Present your bodies to one another. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. I want you to think about the fact that we need models. We need, what does that mean? You know a model, right? If you have like a, a model for um, a, a statue, right? What is it? It's something that's been molded carefully so that then you can take it and replicate it. What's it molded by? Well, in the, in the case of, of clay, it's molded by hands, human hands. In our case, it's woven by the word of God, by the life we are to live. So don't let the world start conforming you. You see it? Don't be a model of the world's way, in other words. That's not, that's not why he saved us. That's not why he called us, calls us his children now. Right? Instead, what? Do not be conformed to this world, but tr- be transformed. We get to be transformed, not conformed to the world. Transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And you know, when that happens, every time, it will be a freeing experience. The bondage comes with being modeled to the world. The freedom comes from having our minds renewed to be transformed. So that you may, look at this, prove what the will of God is. So that your life may demonstrate what God's will is for people, right? That which is good. That which is acceptable to God. That which is perfect in the way that Jesus Christ meant it when he said, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Whole, complete. Modeling those aspects of God that a human being can model. Like his love. Like his forgiveness. And so forth. Verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That's, that's, the, that's probably the... Biggest enemy we have. If you want to not be conformed to this world, you better stop thinking so highly of yourself. Now, it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, of course, you should, there's a way you ought to think. But all of that gives glory to the Lord. You know, we set our minds on the things above and we look at Him. He reminds us who we are. But anything else, anything we've dragged in from the world about our egos, about thinking we're better than other people. That all has to go. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Become a model for others. As God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Don't be jealous of one another. Understand that there's some things that others can do that you can't do. There's some areas where they have strong faith and you don't. And that's okay. You've been given your measure for God, what God has for you. A measure of faith. For just as we have many members... The body of Christ in one body and all the members do not have the same function. And that's true of our human bodies. So we who are many are one body in Christ 
And we are individually members of one another. That's also who we are. We are members of one another. We need to be reminded about that. We need to be reminded that we have our own function in the body of Christ. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us, here's the responsibility, is to exercise those gifts accordingly. If prophecy, if speaking God's word to the people according to the proportion of his faith, if service, if you realize that you've been called to service, then serve. That's, that's what it means by getting a kick in the, in the pants, right? Do it. Do it. All right. And he who teaches, teach. Marilyn, among her things, was she had a gift of teaching. She taught. Everywhere, every way. When we're no longer doing the camps, she started writing to children, you know, lessons and so forth. I'm, I, you know, I have to talk about them, because, but, but that's true of all of us. Whatever our gift is, if, you're, if you have the gift of exhortation, exhort people. Encourage them. And yes, challenge them and give them a kick in the pants. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. You can obviously, that brings to mind um, Steve in particular, right? Give with liberality, lead with diligence. He who shows mercy, or she, with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Love truly. Love not just in word, right, but in deed and in truth. If you say you love God and you don't love the others, the human beings that God has put in your life, you are a liar. Don't love be as don't love have hypocrisy in it. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Notice it's what is evil, though. It's perfectly right for us to abhor, to, to be very upset about and not want to have anything to do with the evil in our midst. I'm not talking about people, right? Why? Because in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, our battle is not against people. It's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's that evil. We, I don't have to tell you, we're surrounded by it now. We have to be vigilant that it doesn't seep into our lives and into our, 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 our community. Okay, It's all around us now. In the last days, difficult times will come. Cling to what is good. Notice it just doesn't say, you know, pay attention to what's good, but even beyond that, cling to it. Hold on to it. Fight for it. In these days when, when everybody is letting go of goodness, they call good evil and evil good, cling to good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly and sisterly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't lag behind in diligence. Don't always say, well, somebody else will do it. Fervent in spirit. God has made you alive in Christ. So live that way. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Today, rejoice in hope. Rejoice in the hope that Stephen and Marilyn had every day of their life. And they weren't afraid to tell you about it either. Well, we're supposed to what? When we see that. When we know that Christ is, is the hope in us. We're supposed to rejoice in it. People have been asking me, you know, I'm, 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 I'm worried about things, I'm concerned, you know, now we're heartbroken. What do we do about it? Well, the first thing we do is to be grateful. To be grateful. To rejoice in all the things. We're heartbroken about Steve and Marilyn. Well, let's rejoice in them too. 
Let's, let's remember all the things. Why we're, why we're sad today. Why are we sad today? Think about, you know, why. It's because of all the joy. You, you know what? In this life, if you want to avoid suffering, just forget to love people. And then you won't hurt when they're gone. And then you won't hurt when you're going through things. You won't want to substitute yourself for them because you don't care. But if you care, you're going to be hurt. So what? So what? Rejoice in hope anyway. Persevere in tribulation. Hang in there together. You know, some of us can't. Some of us right now are probably just melting right now in our hearts for, for, for the Pomeroy family. But some of us have to be those who like, hang in there and be strong. You need both. You need both. Devoted to prayer. That's somebody everybody... If you, are, if, you have, if you have no legs, if you're blind, you can still pray. Think about it. In a magnificent way. Let's be devoted to prayer. Let's contribute to the needs of the saints. Let's practice hospitality. Those who persecute you, don't curse them. That's all too easy. That's all too human. That's all too worldly. What's otherworldly? Bless them. Say good things about them. When we roll into this election next week, a powerful temptation will be to continue to say bad things about the other side. Don't. You're a Christian. Say good things about the other side. Bless them. And then, perhaps most appropriately of all today, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. In our midst today, we have a lot of reasons and a lot of people to weep with. But, but always remember, too, that even in the worst day, there's something to be rejoicing. There, there are people who are rejoicing in something. Don't give them a guilt trip about it. Right? You can have these things going on at the same time. You're, we're capable of both. As Christians, we're capable of rejoicing. If somebody's getting married next week, rejoice in that. If, some, if there's a new baby, rejoice in that. Do it both of it, okay? Do both of it, all right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Perhaps look around and say, you know, maybe there are people here today who really... Um, you know, feel like they're kind of out of the loop with respect to what's going on right now. You know? Well, they shouldn't be, right? Well, what do we do about it? We, we, we make a point of bringing them on in, right? Associate with the lonely. Do not be wise in your own estimation. <laughs> you know what happens when you're wise in your own estimation? You know what the Bible says? You will fall on your own petard. You'll fall, okay? You don't want to fall. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. That is, by the way, when you can do that, is there's proof that God is working in your life. Because of all the things that we have in our heart, jealousy and revenge are two of the most powerful and horrible ones. And when we say to ourselves that we ought to leave aside the old and put on the new, this is a great place to do it. To, to let the Lord purge your heart of hatred. Purge your heart of revenge, of jealousy, of anger, selfishness. And how do, you, how do you test it? Not paying back evil. Hold your tongue. Not take revenge. To anyone. To anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of men. 
if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And he goes on. Talks about revenge, not to do it. Let God handle the situation. And then finally, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we, um, we thank you that we've been able to be here with one another today and, and hear your word and be encouraged and challenged as we weep with the Pomeroy family, as we rejoice that Steve and Marilyn are still together, but they're in a perfect place now, that the trajectory of their lives always led them in this direction, and now they've arrived. So let us weep and rejoice. And Father, now we're going to celebrate together the Lord's Supper. We would just ask, Father, that we would do it in remembering, in remembering what Christ did for us, that that would be foremost in our hearts. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would now like to invite the ushers forward today and to pass out the communion elements. In speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. And in Ephesians 5, we learn this. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Now that's a high calling. Why? Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. We love because he first loved us. We remember the Lord in the Lord's Supper. We remember his death for our sins. Why? Because not only are we freed from our sins, and that is a way we should be rejoicing about that every day, but we've been made God's beloved children. And now we can, we are capable of walking every day in love. Why? Because we see Christ. We know he loved us and he gave himself up for us. He was the offering. He was the sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And now we offer ourselves, our bodies, as living sacrifices on the basis of his dying on the cross. But you know, the Lord gave us one of the most tremendous illustrations. The cross is the greatest, but the night before he died, when he was with his disciples, he washed their feet. Simple enough thing, and yet profound. Why? Because this was God in the flesh. Washing the feet of of those men who had earlier been arguing. Talk about thinking more highly of yourself. They'd all been arguing about who was the greatest. So the Lord, in his example, rebuked that. But in so doing, he also gave us a tremendous example. He gets up, he says... You know, he had, he had taken off his uh, robe and he put a towel around his waist and he knelt before the feet. That was the most um, humiliating thing, if I could put it that way, humbling thing, a way to show hospitality in a very concrete way. When he was done, he got up, he took his garments and he reclined at the table again. And then he turned to them and he said, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example 
a model, somebody to look to, somebody to remember that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. And here's the key. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. I received from the Lord, Paul writes, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And here's the persistence and the repetition. Here's how marvelously he wove together his work, his his actions on the cross with his call to us to be sacrificial towards one another. For as often as you eat this bread, as you come together in the Lord's Supper and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim it. We proclaimed it right now. Why? Because we brought into remembrance what Christ did for us on the cross. And, and we understand that the best way to leave today and continue to proclaim it is to be who we've been made to be. And, and, and to continue to proclaim the freedom, the love that Christ showed on the cross in his death and keep doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that until he comes or until we go to be with him. All right, let's close in prayer again. Father, thank you so much this morning for allowing us here to celebrate the Lord's Supper together give an opportunity to remember you and your son and what your son did and remember what he's called us to do, to love one another, be sacrificial. Once again, Father, we do pray for the entire Pomeroy family. And um, we pray, Father, that uh, as, we, as we grieve the loss of Steve and Marilyn, we also remember who they are, how they showed us who you are, who your son is through their actions. And we would pray, Father, that we would recognize, be grateful for, and be motivated by their example to us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. Have a great day. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice.